Welcome to the Leadership Insights Podcast, the podcast that takes you on a journey into the world of leadership, offering a deep dive into the minds of accomplished leaders from various fields around the world. I'm your host, Amanda Jane, originally from the north of Ireland and now living in beautiful Cheshire, England. Together, we'll explore the strategies, experiences, and wisdom that have shaped these incredible leaders into the visionaries they are today through solo episodes and interviews. I'm a leadership and communications coach myself, and I'm passionate about promoting a coaching culture in the workplace, as well as empowering leaders to flourish personally and thrive professionally. Whether you're a seasoned executive, an aspiring leader in business, or someone simply fascinated by the art of leadership, each episode will provide valuable insights, practical tips, and inspiring stories. So get ready for a dose of motivation, innovation, and leadership brilliance on the Leadership Insights Podcast, brought to you by amandajane.co.uk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Leadership Insights Podcast. And today, my guest is Head Ginger, Helen Calder from Gingerheads. Hi, Helen. Hi. How you doing? I'm really well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for joining me. So tell me more about your company. It's named after my eldest daughter, Lottie. She's partly the inspiration for setting up the business because I kind of ideally would like to inspire my two girls and other women that, you know, you can um, you can run a successful business whilst also um, being very flexible in the way that you work with people and being flexible around. It was particularly mothers in the beginning yeah. um, because I think I know a lot of really, really interesting and successful women who maybe are a bit sidelined once they start to have children. So that was kind of where Gingerhead started in terms of what we do. It's everything you can think of that would be creative in the sense of like branding campaigns, that sort of thing. That's, that's really what we do. Fantastic. Um, so very family focused. Is it the same for all your team? Very much kind of um, everyone in the team has got, you know, other things that they they may, I suppose, I suppose in the way in any job, everybody's got other things, that, other bits of life that they bring into the workplace, but we run in a really flexible way. And, and so we're very mindful that people may need to do school pickups or work different hours to each other or work quite remotely and that sort of thing. But we're we're a creative bunch. But we are, I would say also we're a very competitive bunch. So um so that can kind of be I would say that's probably one of the things in a small business. You have to be quite competitive as well. Do you have your motivational song? I, I do. I, I really struggle to pick just one. But song-wise, so I've got really eclectic taste. One would be This Girl is on Fire, Alicia Keys. <laughs> Good choice. Um, you know, I can't listen to it now without getting really emotional because my younger daughter in particular just sings it at the top of her head all the time <laughs> with her voice, sorry. And she loves it. And it really, the, the, both my girls are kind of really girl power when they sing that song. So that, I love that song. Shake It Off, Taylor Swift. Why I find it motivational is I think as a business owner, you have to be willing to let go of things pretty quickly. Yeah. And you have to learn to make a mistake and let it go. And just yeah. not make it again. Make another mistake, let it go. Yeah. So that song kind of helps me. The humor of that song helps me think that through sometimes. And then I'm gonna say it, run the world, Beyonce, because I think <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I see the women in business. Honestly, yeah, that's true. So they're, they're three. <laughs> they're fun that's a fantastic choice oh yeah taylor swift one i i absolutely agree and i i do hear that running around my own head you know you can get lost in whatever problem you're dealing with but shake it off that's a good reminder queen bee 
around the world <laughs> absolutely had to be a bit of Beyonce in there there had to be it's, uh, it's fantastic so do you have a favorite motivational quote I really really like if you don't like something change it if you can't change it change your attitude mm-hmm. and also be kind wherever possible and it is always possible I really strong strongly believe you know when people say the phrase like everything happens for a reason I don't believe that and the reason I don't believe in that is because I think it's a kind of that we have no we have no autonomy over our own lives and mm. you get to a certain age and that's just life and it's I, I don't believe that I think we're always learning I think there's always an opportunity to change your life and mm. make it better not necessarily maybe in every set of circumstances but at some stage in your life you can kind of reflect on what, what do I actually want you know how do I want people to feel and so on and you can make changes so I'm I'm, I'm very much someone who thinks that you're always changing and that's really important as well mm-hmm. so probably those two quotes would be the two that motivate me the most and also I think any business in any sector in any context whatsoever it's about people it's personal and so kindness is a very undervalued skill. I think it's really important. Couldn't agree more. It goes a long way and we overcomplicate things, don't we? And when you strip it all back, if you just remember some very basic skills, uh, just keep it simple. Being kind will will take you all around the world, I think. And that's a good philosophy to, to live by. Well, thank you for that. Can you share your leadership journey and some key milestones that have shaped your career and what stands out as memorable for you? Probably key milestones that shaped my career. When I, I went into the corporate world very early on, so I was still in university at the time, and I worked for a company that was a really large company, but they, they were very good at, if you were quite a competitive person, which I always was, motivating young people to be really competitive, but they also... They did performance management in a way that was the way that I think is the right way. And that's kind of that you might have right person, wrong job. And if you've got right person, wrong job, you you must learn about people in order to manage them and what they're good at. And if someone is the right person, but they're not necessarily doing the job at the moment, that doesn't mean that they're the wrong person for your company. So that was kind of, I was only 19 when I started working there and that was kind of drilled into me. And it's something that I've continued to kind of, it's always been something that I've, I've kind of thought through. And like, if I've been in any other company since, do I have the right person and in on all the tweaks we can make to the job? That's an interesting um, philosophy. I haven't come across that particular philosophy and it sounds ideal. Yeah. And I think in, in a large corporate company, obviously there's more freedom than, the, than there is in, in a small business sometimes, because in a small yeah. business, you've got to be able to wear many different hats. But I think that too many companies, in my opinion, are too quick to sort of that person's not performing yeah. it's like well has that person got the right sort of attitude and skills that could be really useful if you're just willing to be a bit flexible in how you think about them yeah and I definitely think I've then taken that into other places so that would be something I also had a really inspirational boss there who kind of <laughs> um, you were looking before, to get one at such a young age I, I really was and I, st- I still I still know him now I think he put me on a communications project, which I didn't do anything to do with that at the time. And it was all about influencing um, how people behave and, you know, how you can um, motivate people with the right sort of communications. And I was just fascinated by that. Mm-hmm. So that then made me go back to study again, and which he supported and completely changed my entire career. So, yeah, so that was probably a milestone moment where I was kind of like, oh, actually, I'm really interested in like how communications can influence people positively and negatively and how change works in a business and so on. So that was the first standout moment. And then 
probably immediately after that going and working in a an emergency services organization which really teaches you about how communications needs to be thought through in in, in kind of very serious situations Mm -hmm. testing out some things there in a completely different environment like a really hierarchical structure but where where the outcomes of what you were doing really mattered Mm -hmm. um was probably probably a big milestone moment for me and it was also kind of a stage a stage in my career where I was really kind of leading on a lot of big communications projects and there was a lot riding on it. it had to go well. So I remember I kind of learned there that I probably spend with any kind of big challenge, I probably spend a little bit of time really freaked out with massive imposter syndrome and I have to kind of just just deal with the next step in front of me and the next step in front of me. And I've, I learned that when I was about 24 mm-hmm. um, and I still do that today. So if I'm, if you know if there's something that I feel is too big, mm. I have to break it down into what's the next step, just do that. Um, and also probably not a milestone moment, but people are really kind and they can help and you mm-hmm. must ask for it. I, and I, I would think, I think that I learned that very early on and I mm-hmm. still, I have a large network of people that I really trust and I ask for advice and I don't mind looking stupid and kind of asking the silly questions and saying, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I'm laughing because people can't read minds. It's not really interesting. And until you, you still think, oh, can I ask your advice? Can I have some help? Just ask. Yeah. I mean, so many people are kind of really scared to like to look soft. And I really don't like I do not care how embarrassing it is to ask a question. No, there's no such thing as a stupid question in my book, really. If you've got to ask, you've got to ask. But I think maybe that takes a bit of takes a bit of learning along the way to get there. Like, okay, this is fine. It's safe. I can ask the question. I don't know the answer to that. Please help. So that's probably been something that I think I still have to this day. And I try, I try and help my team to to know that they can do the same. So you mentioned imposter syndrome there. Did you manage to defeat that demon or does it still rear (laughs) its ugly head? I'm I'm always curious about that because I struggled with it and I defeated it. Well, I'm very, I'm very interested to know how you defeated it. I would say (laughs) in my case, mostly yes. Mm -hmm. I definitely think there is, for me, it tends to be certain tasks that, it will come back more so than others. So I'd say probably what I've tried to do is design out of my job the things that cause that for me where possible. And I feel very lucky that I can do that to an extent. But also my inner self-talk was not great. And so trying to understand where that comes from, I've done an awful lot of work on Mm -hmm. that. It's an ongoing process. I would say progress, not perfection is where Mm -hmm. I am at the moment. But I'm interested to know that you're kind of at the other side of that. (laughs) Well, that's that's what brought me to coaching, really. I, I had some struggles at work. I was very lucky to be offered coaching and I had a great coach. And the transformation in me, I thought, wow, this is amazing. Why doesn't everyone know this? So I did some research in emotional intelligence, imposter syndrome, negative self-talk, perfectionism. I describe myself as a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) So, yeah. So it's not a switch that you can switch off. But I I then wanted to study and I wanted to get qualified. And I did. I spent um, a few years studying and 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 I passed and I was thrilled. But I was going through all the processes. And and that's for me, the heart of it is coaching, going through what does it mean breaking it down on you know yeah. neg- negative self-talk if you you know that that's a whole other podcast but breaking that down you are the one that is doing the most damage to you yes. and there's, yeah. there's steps to to control it and 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 talk about it but the imposter syndrome is, is a really really big ugly monster and I, I learned a lot through journaling 
gathering evidence about my successes that because you can't lie, evidence can't lie. If you've listed all your successes and the minute you start going, oh, I'm useless at this, I can't do this. And your brain goes, ha ha, but your book says otherwise. So as a, as a coping strategy from that, I just do it. And if I, if I hear that little voice coming up, I just, no, don't talk to me. And then I just, I just keep doing it. And gradually over a few years, that, that voice has got dimmer and dimmer. So while I'm not completely cured, it's definitely been a trans transformative journey. But for me, it was definitely coaching, but it's um, it's self-awareness, a constant journey. I think that that side of things, and, and I've definitely got really comfortable, particularly since I turned 40, weirdly, of like... It's <laughs> pivotal. <laughs> yeah, and sort of, you know, feeling that I need to really understand kind of who I want to be and who mm -hmm. I am and where the... Where the how far you are away from each of those things and what matters and I care less about externally about what other people think and yeah. and I think so I have a gratitude journal which I started mm -hmm. when I was 40 and that has actually really helped me because I think I'm um, I'm one of those people that I can always be looking at what's the next thing what's the next thing and mm -hmm. that can be good to a point but it can stop you actually and, and I think especially when you manage teams that can that can be demotivating as well mm -hmm. because you're so focused on and you do this a lot in a small business kind of like you know we need to get there mm -hmm. you so focus on that and you forget to take a moment to be really grateful for where you are mm -hmm. and how far you've come and so yeah it's it is a constant reminder for me that to say what what am I really grateful for what you know how far we've come what have we achieved and that probably does help with imposter syndrome because then when I have that negative self-talk you're you're absolutely right I love research I love stats I'm a very geeky numbers kind of person mm -hmm. because I really like oh that's a result I can yeah. look at that it's tangible I can't lie to myself about that yeah. that's, I, I completely agree with that that has been <laughs> yeah you, you can rewire your brain neuroplasticity that's uh, yeah. something else that came up on my coaching as well do you have any role models I do I have a few people I, I was thinking about this the other day I think lots of people inspire me mm -hmm. for different reasons at different times in life. What I think it's more about the kind of values that they have that inspire. So, so it doesn't really matter who the person is to me. It's kind of like how they behave. So I, I'm really inspired by people who show compassion and, and, mm -hmm. and trust the people they work with. And definitely people who I see as they don't see their role as a leader, as one where you stand out as a star, but one where you inspire other people to do so. That's probably been lifelong for me. Like ever since I started being a leader, if you like, it, I would see it as my role is to help others to fulfill their potential, I guess, or mm -hmm. to, to make them look good, to make them stand out and to make the team perform. And that can mean that different people stand out at different times but that's okay as well so I kind of have a very collaborative way of working with people but I would say like the types of people that have over the years that have stood out to me well famous people there's um Gary Vaynerchuk um he runs like a really um well he used to run a wine company and he runs a really large kind of communications company now he's always on LinkedIn he's always doing podcasts and stuff but he does talk about being kind one of his kind of like key philosophies and and that the most important thing with a leader is is, is like looking after people I think he pretty much on a daily basis inspires me and then there are a couple of people um throughout my career so Paul Dawson who I worked with in one place and Ruth Shearn and John Quinton Barbara and Marie Gray. They were people I was thinking about. And in all cases, they are people who not only understand what their role is as a, as a leader, but they're also people who listen very well to their teams, who take a kind of, I guess, that similar kind of right person 
let's work out what the job needs to be almost or that's how I that's how I see that they lead as well and are really supportive of their teams and that's the kind that's the kind of leader that's always really inspired me and people who are really good at kind of like being patient and listening because uh, you probably can tell already I talk a lot that's a nervousness so so do I yeah I just kind of yeah I would like to I would like to talk a bit less <laughs> but I think you know that kind of being inspired by other people watching how they behave around their teams watching how they inspire others mm-hmm. so maybe like people who inspire me are people who are able to inspire others that's that's probably a big thing no I, I I'm fascinated because first thing that struck me was I thought how lucky you are to have had those people who went before you to inspire you and you're speaking of them so positively and with such affection and admiration and look what they formed in you oh goodness thank you yeah I mean there's I, like I've missed out so many people I would be here <laughs> like there's so many people and I still I'd also feel very lucky that um, some of my first kind of clients were people who I used to work with in different companies or was a former boss or something or a a colleague or a friend or someone, you know, I was in a Saturday job with back when I was 16. Mm -hmm. And that that was something I found really, really fascinating in the early stages of a business is that you already know a lot of the people you're going to work with. You just don't realize you do. And I do feel very lucky to still know a lot of the people that like I knew when I was a teenager because it kind of you know watching someone over a career of 20 something years putting an age on myself now but I think (laughs) (laughs) I think that can you can see how like their leadership style changes as well Mm -hmm. as they like change in different roles and that I find really fascinating Mm -hmm. and because I think this job now I I love my job I'm, I'm really lucky I absolutely love my job I haven't always But one of the things I found really difficult at first, which I was really surprised by, was when I was in a corporate structure. You know, I was talking about like um, how you do performance well, performance management well. Anybody who's been a leader at some stage has had to to let somebody go. And it's it's one of the hardest things that, you you know, you have to do, especially if you're not a psychopath, you know, you you, you care about people that Mm -hmm. you work. But within a corporate structure, if you know you've been fair and you've followed the rules, and you've given every opportunity for that person, whilst it feels awful, they're not your rules, it's in your own business. I, I really struggle with that, like the kind of, you know, hiring the right people and motivating them, but also like knowing when the right time is to to not work with someone anymore, because then mm-hmm. they're just my rules. So so that that I found really, really hard mm-hmm. in the early stages and kind of like, oh, what do I do when, when I haven't got the right person? How do I handle that? Because that's just me saying, I've decided this and mm-hmm. So is it rules or is it boundaries? Probably a bit of both, I guess. Boundaries is a really interesting question, actually, because because I've been doing a lot. I've been doing a lot of reading about this recently. And I think if you set a boundary with someone, it's it, it's like a bit of a red flag for me, client or, or person you work with in any way. It's a I, I take it as a bit of a red flag when it's not respected. And, and patterns of behavior like that can be really quite noticeable quite quickly boundaries mm-hmm. is yeah okay yeah I would that I would say that's that's really important mm-hmm. and maybe the rules come from setting boundaries mm-hmm. it's just something that I over recent years have had to give some thought to and think about my own boundaries and, and what it means but once once you understand what your boundaries are and they can change and that that's great yeah, that's we true. can be adaptable and you can change but I, I sincerely believe it is a real light bulb moment when you set your own boundaries. And also, if people react badly to those boundaries, 
I'm moving on from the you know the hiring and firing stage just in business generally you know how people react to those you know that that's data that can help you if you know if it does bring up red flags and it, it's a good barometer for me personally but it's definitely something I've been given a lot of thought to over recent years and what is it what does it mean what does it look like and if you give some thought to your previous self you can clearly see where you haven't honored your own boundaries you know I don't mean you personally yeah. but you we, we all do and yeah. and I think what you've just de- I I think what you've described in, in the corporate world, you know, they've they've definitely got established rules, and you know, if you don't if you don't conform in the performance management, but when you're running your own business, your boundaries have to be more tight, more concise, because you don't have the luxury of time or money, or you don't disappear into that corporate machine, and your boundaries probably have to be a lot more firm and a lot more tight because. You, you don't have the luxury to carry someone that's, you know, you've given a really good opportunity to. And if you've got to that stage, you know that they're not working out. Maybe you have tried them in another role or whatever. But it's just another interesting facet, I think, of business, entrepreneurship and something else that you don't meet in the corporate world. I think that this, that's the same case for clients as well. Like I'm, It's not like I'm kind of like I've hired and fired lots of people or anything like that. Or clients, you know, I'm very grateful to everyone that's worked with us along the way because it's been part of the learning so whether the experience has been good or not it has helped us understand something about where we need to get to and in some of the early stages of running a business you you don't know what you're doing you know how Mm -hmm. to do and I think that's the thing that that's another thing that you don't get taught you you know how to do your specific job no idea how to run a business Mm -hmm. and so you do so many things that you're not good at all the time. And I think some of those clients that like, if you like, you break your teeth on, you look back and you think, oh no, <laughs> well, I wish I wish we hadn't done that like that. But how um, else do you learn? <laughs> well, yeah, but they're also, I think some of those are also the ones that do help you set bounds. Mm-hmm. It's only by you, sometimes it's by making the mistake that you're mm-hmm. like, oh, actually, that's how we'd like to do that in future. Mm-hmm. And okay. we have a, we have a crank policy in Gingerhead, which, uh, which I won't tell you too much about, but we do have like warning signals uh-huh. and they are boundary related. So if uh-huh. we're, yeah, if we're kind of, oh, hang on, I'm not sure about this. We need to mm-hmm. be careful. We live, we live by our crack policy. <laughs> and and you absolutely need to because it, it's just an internal handbrake, isn't it? Even if it's just that pause. And that's one of my favorite words in coaching. You just need to stop, pause, think and spend a few minutes analyzing what's happening what do you need to do it's, it's it's definitely something very useful because you're you're running at 120 miles an hour you're trying to get everything done running your own business as you say you're skilled at one particular thing that's why you, you do what you do but all of a sudden you've got to be an accountant and a web designer and an expert communications and you you, you learn fast it's definitely a steep learning curve but that is how that's how you learn by jumping in and doing it ditching the imposter giving it a go <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think that you know that that's the beauty of life really isn't it and when you when you do it when you achieve it and you sit back and think oh well, I did that it's that satisfaction when you're terrified beforehand and you've done it those are the things that you you think wow I, I actually did that and that's what makes you feel achieved and fulfilled and to think of a future where you're just going to do the same thing over and over again, that type of thing doesn't appeal to me. But, you know, new challenges, new scary things and, you know, who knows what, what's coming up. So you're obviously addicted to some of the adrenaline. I definitely like new, <laughs> I definitely like new scary things. I, I agree with that. Yeah. 
that, that that is i think because i tend to be one of the ones that's on the the new stuff because i really <laughs> that's what switches me on and kind of working out a new puzzle i really yeah like. i don't like being left behind either if there's new tech or there's, there's something come along i have to know what it is yeah and it's new new discoveries and who knows what, what's coming up but I, I i can get completely absorbed in it and not necessarily you know from a from a business point of view but i i just love discovering new things and also keeps your brain active and that's that's important to me yeah, I think that's hugely important. It's kind of, I um, I try and I have like a, even when I'm cooking or something, I really enjoy to cook and I have a new thing I have to learn to make every, well, about once a month because I just kind of, I like to be taken out my comfort zone actually. I started working with a personal trainer about a year and a half ago and I'd never weight trained and I was kind of like, nope, I'm not strong. And um, and actually, I think the 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 kind of bits of progress in something you didn't know how to do and watching that over time I really really enjoy that and I think you do get to see that with 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 running a business you can kind of if you look at things in terms of year on year progress rather than week on week hugely different in that time so yeah maybe we maybe we are all a little bit addicted to the new and the exciting something to think about isn't it but you don't you don't you don't stop to think you know what what is it but that's a new discovery you mentioned you've got two beautiful daughters I did yeah so how do you manage work-life I'm saying work-life harmony because some people don't like the work-life balance. I'm not I'm not going for that either because I don't think you have a, I have a balance harmony when you try to make it all work. How does it work for you? <laughs> or my, does it? <laughs> often, no. <laughs> One of my themes for the year was actually balance for this year because I'm tr- I'm trying to figure it out. And I think I think it's a work in progress. Um I think you're always trying and there's when I think it causes biggest kind of problems is um or challenges actually really is when people little ones get sick which can happen quite a lot so there's certain times of the year where you just sort of you lose time you know needing to look after a sick child as well as do all the usual things as well as do your job and I think that can not be understated how much time that takes Mm -hmm. and and I really didn't understand it before I was a mother myself. So I I remember actually a, a former colleague, Laura Roach, who I hugely rate, amazing, amazing woman. Um, she came to work for me. I'd worked with her before. And um, she returned from maternity leave to a new job with me somewhere. And I just didn't understand the level of challenge that actually was at the time. And it was, you know, a very demanding job. And she did so well. But sometimes the, the, that challenge of new motherhood in a new place as well, it was, you know, it, it was really a lot. And I've appreciated that so much more since I've become a mother. So I don't know what the answers are. I do know that I have to have a moment of absolute calm and it needs to just be like five minutes or something every day where I don't have to be anything to anyone. So it might be that I go and sit and cuddle my cats or I might listen to a podcast in the morning or I might go for a walk in the woods. But I need a moment every day where I'm not needed by anyone for anything. (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm, la- I'm laughing because I totally relate and I, I, it's it's not even funny but I've just got visions of my own self being pulled arms and legs yeah. mom husband job but, but it's it's exactly that just five minutes where, where no one isn't demanding attention yeah because you have so you know but um my team and I talk about this a lot of time that you know, the mother load and I'm very lucky I've got a really support supportive husband and 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 a flexible job and mm-hmm. I still really struggle sometimes mm-hmm. with harmony and I, I kind of I try 
because I'm very mindful of the fact that my girls are not going to be this age for long. They're so fun at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I want them to know that in the moments with them, I try and really be there in the moment with them. So Mm -hmm. I try because I I was it was actually Harriet. So my youngest, she was doing impressions of me. This is a year or so ago. And she was like this on her computer, you know, sort of (laughs) focused, focused. And then she was having these phone calls. Went, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then she went, shh, shh. And I said, oh, what are you doing? And she said, um, well, I'm I'm being mummy and I'm very busy. Oh. Thought, oh, God. And it really, it upset me a bit. So oh. I was like, I don't like that that's the impression of work that she gets or the impression of life. So I kind of constantly practice that when I'm spending time with them, it's protected time as much yeah. as possible. And then that work has a start and a stop. But the but the tiny moments of peace every day definitely helps, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it doesn't. It only has to be five minutes, but yeah. you just need that because you know, as a mother, you're kind of a yeah. You you know, you can't even you can't even have a bathroom trip by yourself. You know, you do, <laughs> privacy is not a thing anymore. Sorry well, to say, I am um, for for how long now? Maybe four years. I do a little five minute meditation most days. Okay, b- before I start anything, and it's just five minutes go through this meditation positive affirmations in it breathing exercises energy cleanse and that just brings me sanity if I go through the day and it's really manic somehow my brain reminds me that I've been through that and it reminds me of the positive affirmations but if it's any comfort to you my daughters are 19 and 16 and would have done the same as you've just described when they were little and (laughs) I they are both really really hard workers and my youngest is 16 and they and I ask them and I say oh why why do you work so hard and and then they say oh it didn't occur to me to do anything else or I try to work out what my influence was but maybe because I I worked so hard it's been a positive thing but I I too would have struggled and they would have you know copied mommy being on the computer because there were times I, I did have to work at home but it's it's not necessarily a bad thing that they say their their mom working hard and and creating something wonderful and and going out there and and doing it. So you know you've got your protected time. But now that my girls are older, I can ask those questions and I can I say, oh, do you remember the thing that they do? <laughs> the thing that they didn't like was the after school clubs and things that I had to set in the yeah. summer the summer schemes. And they they mentioned one of those a couple of weeks ago. And I was trying not to, to get upset, but I could feel myself getting upset because I didn't I didn't like putting them into the, the summer schemes that I had to do. But I had no choice. Like most mothers, we had no choice and we had to do what we had to do. But if that was the worst that came out of what 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 we have to do, then that's fine. And over the course of this pod these podcasts, when I find that woman that says, I have it all, I my my work life balance is great, I have no problems. Then let me speak to <laughs> I will ring up every single guest and I will tell them because I haven't found her. And every single one of us beats ourselves up for the very same thing. And, you know, coming out the other side now, my girls are older. I'm, I'm less hard on myself, but I did beat myself up. We, we all do. But that was a waste of time and probably a waste of my emotional energy. But when I find that woman, I will let you know because <laughs> she does not exist. No, I, you know, I, I, for a long time felt really guilty about um when Lottie was little and that was when I was first setting up the business and I was worried about how that would affect her and then when Harriet was born um I returned to work 
after four days maternity mm-hmm. you you'll know I, I was I saw you right at the end of the pregnancy mm-hmm. and I was I was not well um and I think you know I didn't return full time but I remember going to a meeting and <laughs> I had to time the feeding between I had to time the meeting without the client knowing that it was between a feed my lovely husband came with me on the train I fed her on the way down I was still sort of you know I had a cesarean section both times oh, so I was still scarred yeah and I had to kind of like go in be fine yeah and I was watching the clock for the meeting thinking if this goes longer than an hour and a half I'm in real trouble because that's a feed and just you know just be fine in that yeah. moment and I think I think that's where I was actually really really lucky looking back on it now because it was hard don't get me wrong but actually I went to that meeting and then I I completely collapsed had a bit of a cry and and you know and and that was a day and I did the thing I needed to do and and I think that is where I do feel really really lucky now because I think actually in this type in my job some of those moments were just a moment where I had to be on a client call and be okay mm-hmm. and then I could kind of take a moment whereas I, I think about people who've had to return you know to like really serious long hour shift jobs where you're on your feet or corporate roles where you just needed so many hours a week and 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 that's where I then feel oh, actually I, I I I had it okay in fact and you know I am able now to pick the kids up from school and take them to their dance classes and I choose I choose to do that but I'm also able to do that so I do mm-hmm. I do feel very very lucky for that and I think that's been something that whilst I have my guilt mum guilt is a huge thing though because like I'll have my guilt about the things that I miss someone else will have their guilt about something completely different someone who's a stay-at-home mum will have guilt about that mm-hmm. someone who's working 78 hours a week will have guilt about that it yeah. just seems to be built into us doesn't it into in tna isn't it yeah yeah it's we're, we're a bit hard on ourselves i think working mums but you know all i can say with with absolute clarity is everyone is doing their very best yes. and it's all relative to their circumstances everyone is doing the very best for the families the best that they can in that moment and guilt the guilt just doesn't help but you just got to get on with it and, and do the best you can and and you're you're lucky you know you had really good circumstances I I'm I too am lucky I've got flexibility in my life which I'm eternally grateful for and if you don't it's it, it brings its own its own problems I remember um many years ago you'll be horrified by this I worked somewhere I won't mention and I hadn't had children at the time, but one of my colleagues did and her baby was sick. So she phoned and said, I I can't come in today. My baby's sick. And the manager said, you better get your priorities right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not very surprised by that. (laughs) And that's that stayed with me. This, as you can tell, and it it just stayed with me. And and I know exactly where my priorities are. And I, I, you know, when my children needed me, I was there always. And I never would have put job over sick child. But but yeah, we, we 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 struggle on. We do our best. I think as long as like I think as long as they know they're loved, I think mm-hmm. that as long as you can say okay, they know they're loved, mm-hmm. then then you do, then everything else you you just everybody's having a go. But I think I I've definitely worked places as well, or um or certainly you know I've been in interview situations where I've had like a ring on my finger when I haven't been engaged at the time, and mm-hmm. where I've been asked what my plans are. <gasps> yes. Uh, I don't know whether that's a thing that just happens to women. Uh, I genuinely don't know. But <laughs> yeah, we'll never know, will we? It doesn't feel okay. It doesn't feel... No. I think that's probably another reason that Gingerhead exists. I'm like, you know, life happens. Yeah. It doesn't make anyone less good at their job. No. Um, 
And you couldn't find what you needed, so you created it for yourself. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's, or, or mm-hmm. certainly I'm trying to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I've gone into interviews after my girls were born. And when the time was right, I said, I'm a mother first. And I I disclosed it immediately because I thought, I don't want to work here if you're not going to accommodate me. And it worked. I was lucky. But I, I do remember when you're first a mom and you don't know what to say, you're hiding the fact that you're a mom and yeah. but put on the spot and ask those questions well hopefully can't get away with it anymore like that but interesting line of questions I definitely think companies are much more open to that now I think maybe like COVID kind of helped that as well like people yeah. pe- it humanized people much more because you had to kind of get a glimpse into each other's lives a little mm-hmm. bit so I do think I don't I don't think it's as bad as it once was but I still think it's a challenge and over COVID, I think, taught me, or hopefully society as a whole, to be more tolerant because I can remember being on the phone to a bank or somewhere and hearing children in the background and the person apologising. And I was saying, it's fine, don't worry, mind me here too. But the transaction still happened. The work yeah. still got done, even though the children yeah. were in the background. Yeah. And, you know, the world did not come to a standstill. So maybe, maybe it did teach us some tolerance, but... You know that these children have got to be raised and they've got to be raised well and what's the point in, in trying to pretend that they don't exist but the flexibility yeah. that we have now and home working and hopefully life will be made better for a lot of people that, that are struggling and you know you don't have to travel anymore hopefully and that I mean that's a godsend as well financially as well as giving us back a little bit more time one final question what legacy do you hope to leave as a leader and how do you measure the impact of your leadership? I really struggle with this as a question. What legacy? I think if I can look back on time in Gingerhead, like I hope that this is a job that I do till I'm kind of in my rocking chair one day. But if I can look back on it and I and and we made a difference for some things we really believed in and we helped some people and we and then I was able to have a number of people really enjoy because your job is a big part of your life actually it's like mm-hmm. most of the hours of your week so if if I could make some people's lives better which I know sounds like a big claim but I think that I would be very happy with that I'm not money oriented at all really actually but I think if if we made a difference and there are some projects we were very choosy about the things we work on so if there are some projects that we really believed in that did some good that matters very much to me so that's probably in terms of legacy that's the kind of thing I'm interested in. Like, how can you, you know, like those things that do no harm. How can you do a bit of good in the world? How can you make a bit of the world around you better? Legacy wise, like for future of leadership. I don't know whether I'm an inspiring person or not. Hopefully so at one stage, at some stage. I think I... you are. Hopefully <laughs> you've inspired some some working mothers today because yeah, yeah. you just need someone to identify with, don't you? I would, I would definitely say that, that you're an inspiring working mother. Well, bless you. Well, I think if I could inspire some people to to have a go and to not be afraid to take a look at their life and go, do you know what? I think I can do a bit better than this. And to know that it's it doesn't matter as in, well, it does matter. It matters. Actually, it matters more that you're a mother and it ma- therefore matters more that you inspire your children to know that they can change their life at any stage that mm-hmm. they want to. So legacy wise, if I could inspire other people to change something that they want to change then that would be that would be something I think yeah that that sounds incredible if someone looks to you and thinks yeah she's doing that I can do that 
you know, it's as simple as that transaction, isn't it? Yeah. You, you inspire yeah. someone by your actions and it goes back to it's a very simple thing. If she can do it, I can do it. And if being a working mom, raising your children and also your children are going to look to you and think, well, my mom did it. So where can we find out more about Gingerhead and what you do? Um, you can look at us on Instagram or our website, wearegingerhead.com. Mm-hmm. And hopefully there'll be a few campaigns that you might see around Liverpool in the next 12 months or so. You'll see a bit about what we do there. But yeah, our website probably be a good place to start. That sounds exciting. Is there, any, is there anything there at the moment we can see or, or do we have to wait and see what's coming up? No, we're actually we're, so we're going through we're going through a, a period of change at the moment, and um and and it's really exciting. And we've had a we've had a brand that we've worked on, which is very very us, and it's been very timely. And um, we haven't yet got it out, but it is out later this year. So I'm really excited by that, and I think I'm really really excited about the current projects of the year. There's a, there's a lot going on at the moment, but I feel like we're kind of we're doing some things that we really know how to do well. And we're being trusted. And I love I love our clients. They're amazing. We've got some clients that just trust us with their projects. And I, I, again, I feel really grateful for that because it is really hard to get people to trust you in the early stages. Mm-hmm. And I don't I do understand why, because you don't mm-hmm. know what you're doing. So yeah, it's it's a quite an exciting time for us at the moment. But it's a real joy to work with people that get you, isn't it? And that <laughs> love what yeah. you do and, and your whole face is just lit up. But thank yeah. you so much, Helen. It's been oh, a pleasure talking to you, really enlightening really interesting and it's and thank you for sharing your struggles it's um just reassuring to think that someone else is going through the same thing that that we're all going through and thank you for your honesty no problem thank you very much thank you for listening to the leadership insights podcast today and special thanks to my lovely guest helen calder join me on the next episode for more inspirational leadership stories and insights you can follow me on instagram at coach amanda jane or visit my website, amandajane.co.uk. Bye for now.